Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So who is going to be the next Speaker of the House and does it matter? Does it matter what I think, what you think, what anybody thinks? Does it matter what the Speaker does? I mean, is this really all up to Matt Gates? Really all up to this gang of eight? It's up to Nancy Mace to decide or or is there something else? happening and and who are the candidates i only see three at this stage of the game tony katz tony katz today good to be with you find everything going on at tonykatz.com jim jordan of ohio steve scalise of louisiana and former president donald trump those are the only three candidates that exist right now and and i am not the only one who is alone in the 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 conversation of this removing mccarthy didn't do any good whatsoever it only may have created an issue for the victories necessary going on down the road i bring in the one and only kurt schlichter he is the lawyer he is the columnist at townhall.com he is also the author a series of books the latest the kelly turnbull series this is overlord that is available at Amazon.com, I even take off my little ticker there just so everybody could see the cover in all of its glory. Overlord, you can find that at Amazon.com and you should get your copy immediately, if not sooner. Now, Kurt, uh, I want to start with an article that you, you, you wrote at, at Town Hall. You're not known for mincing words there, kitten. What do Matt Gates and his hair actually want? Uh, which, is a, which is a world-class title right there before we get into the choices of scalise or jordan or or trump because those seem to be the only three names coming about we'll get to them all um what do you think the plan was you for the removal of mccarthy you think this was a mistake i'm utterly indifferent to mccarthy as a person i just think he was holding together a coalition uh that had a four-seat majority and i don't see any objective here other than to get Matt Gates surrounded by people holding microphones in his face, which he loves. I, I, I don't understand what the plan is. I, I get that you're unhappy with McCarthy. Okay. What's the alternative? What is your better plan? Well, we'll just do something. Okay. I understand that children react in that way to things, that they, that, that they lash out when they're angry. But I'm an adult. I want to know what the plan is. What is the plan that's going to achieve conservative results? Well, we have to hold him accountable. Okay. Again, what is the end state which you seek? Well, when you talk about that, when you talk about the end goal, what what is the end goal? What is it that you seek? For me, it's it's a larger majority in the House. It's winning the Senate. It's winning the presidency in uh, 2024. That's what, what, what it is for me. Does does moving the speaker at this stage of the game get you closer to winning the presidency? Well, I, I, if it does, I haven't seen anybody explain why. I, I you know, we we look like we're in chaos, uh, which we're not, as you accurately pointed out. Only eight people in the Republican Party joined this thing. The other, what, two hundred and ten or two hundred eleven uh, refused to do this. It was the Democrats made it possible uh the so basically the uh the hardcore conservatives worked with the democrats to achieve 
a giant embarrassment for the Republicans, because that's what it is. Because normal people look at this and they think, oh, you guys are just clowns. Now, if you had a reason, if you had an explanation, if you had an objective, you could explain that and the normal people would go, oh, I see why this is necessary and this is why you had to do it. But they didn't bother because actually what happens to the Republican Party doesn't matter. Matt Gates said himself, I've got plenty of donations coming in. I don't need you. Okay. You know, that that conversation about you know, where does the party fit anymore is is kind of kind of fascinating. But let's go what, to what we just said. And, and we both have had uh, this conversation. We don't lose sleep over who the speaker is. So if, if we don't lose sleep over it, then doesn't matter who it, it is. It, this all came because of the vote on the continuing resolution, the clean continuing resolution that would keep spending levels where they are uh, right now for the next 45 days, as opposed to the earlier continuing resolutions, which would have cut them 8%. That is the, the guise by which we are told this was unacceptable and therefore uh, Kevin McCarthy had to go. In the main, you think people are buying that? I don't even know. what It doesn't even make sense. So you had a continuing resolution that cut spending and did a whole bunch of other things. You voted against it. And suddenly we're up against the wall. We're about to have the government shut down in Virginia, where we have hugely important legislative elections that are currently underway. And I don't know, Tony, I think there might be a few government employees living in Virginia. So Kevin McCarthy figures a way to put that after the election and not shut down the government. And these guys go crazy. So it's like, here's everything you want. Well, that's not good enough. Okay. I, I, I'm not sure. Look, look, they wanted this to happen. Right. They wanted this to happen. And they tried to set the condition. They made sure the conditions existed where it would happen because they are out for themselves. Uh, Matt Gates is out for himself. Nancy Mace is always out for herself. You know, she'd be a hardcore Democrat if she wasn't living in a Republican district. I mean, she's ridiculous. The other ones, I mean, Matt Rosendale, what the hell's wrong with him? The, the, uh, the, the, Nancy May story, the Nancy May story is fascinating because it was Kevin McCarthy yes. who got her that seat, who got her the money, who helped her get the victory. And you're, you're kind of... You know, if, if you want to talk about political backscratching, which let's not pretend it doesn't exist, you would think that it would exist, at least in this. But I'm I'm there with the idea that this is what Gates and, and company wanted, and it doesn't actually yeah. move the needle forward. But if we're going to now argue that it doesn't matter who the speaker is, as, as I was saying earlier, well, then it doesn't matter. So we've got this 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 race now that seems to be between three people. You've got Jim Jordan, the congressman from Ohio, Steve Scalise, Louisiana, and you have the former president, Donald Trump, uh, who is going to get nominated, has already said, look, if they want me, I'll do the thing. I'll be great at it. It'll be terrific. No one has ever done it better than me. It'll be a dream. Uh, we can just put that one right out, right? There is no yeah, that's chance. Just, that's, just no dumb. That's, that's just dumb. And it, it, look, it's probably Scalise or Jordan right now. Somebody else may come up. But, you know, the speaker doesn't just organize business on the floor. May selected for which she stabbed him in the back uh, because she's garbage. And uh, it's, you know, can Scalise do this? Can Jordan do that? I, I don't know. 
My guess is McCarthy is not going to throw away his apparatus. McCarthy's going to stay in the background. I think it's very smart for him not to run again. He's going to stay in the background. Uh, he's going to continue to raise money. He's going to continue to uh, uh, earn uh, earn favors from a bunch of Republicans. He's going to help get elected. And he's going to try and build a bigger coalition to become speaker again. Oh, so you don't think Kevin McCarthy's done? Oh, no. Why would he be done? He's got the whole fundraising apparatus and political organization in his hand. That's the part of the speaker no one looks at. Everyone's like, oh, what's he going to bring to the floor? Yeah, that's important. But he's really a, 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 a party leader who tirelessly raises money and organizes. He goes and uh, uh, picks candidates and stuff. That's really the basis of that. He, nobody elected, nobody made him speaker because he's like super smart. They did it because he's got this, this powerhouse organization. Let me let me share with you uh, something that uh, Congressman Jim Jordan said on uh, Fox News earlier this morning there on Fox and Friends. Listen, because somebody has to bring our team together, because if we don't come together, we're not going to get done what the American people know needs to be done. What's good for our nation. Somebody has to do it. I think I'm equipped to do it. That's why I'm running. I think I'm equipped to go take the message to the American people about why what we're doing is so darn. Now. Deals get made no matter whether people like it or not. And it was it's now very clear that Kevin McCarthy had spoken to Nancy Pelosi about this deal he had to make with Republicans about the motion to vacate. And she said, don't worry, I'll always have your back and didn't have his back. And that's why she's now vacating her office, just like Steny Hoyer is, because that was actually part of, of the deal. When you bring up Jim Jordan talking about bringing people together, it should be noted that McCarthy's team is on the phones trying to push Jordan as the next speaker. You want to take a gamble and a bet on whether or not, as, you, as you're looking at it, Kurt, the idea that McCarthy will run again, whether or not Jim Jordan sees himself as speaker just for a short while to get back to the situation of McCarthy in 24. Uh, look, I, I'm not sure Jim Jordan wants to be speaker. He had a chance last year. Uh, He likes being the oversight chairman. He's annoyed that he's not going to be able to continue doing that. Uh, I could see him uh, stepping aside from McCarthy to go do what he really wants to do. Uh, Remember, the speaker job is a pain in the tush. You're always on the phone. You're always eating chicken dinners at the Rancho Cucamonga Republican Ladies Caucus. You're doing that day after day after day. And if you don't really like it, you're going to hate the job. It's a miserable job. But the other side of that coin, Kurt, is you get to be Speaker of the House. And you'll always be, you'll always have the title. And that is, is a, a, a driver. One of the other things that keeps coming up is the conversation about Ukraine. And Ukraine uh, uh, funding, this was Jim Jordan again uh, this morning on that exact subject. Why should we be sending American tax dollars to Ukraine when we don't even know what the goal is? No one can tell me what the objective is. Is it is it some kind of negotiated peace? Is it driving them out of the eastern Ukraine? Is it driving them out of Crimea, which they've had for 10 years now, but they took during the Obama administration? 
what is the objective? And so until you can tell me the goal, I don't think we should continue to send money there, particularly when we have the problems we have on our border. So that's fundamental. Uh, I just think that's front and center. And then second, how is the money that's already been sent? How has it, how has it been spent? Right. What kind of waste is going? Those are two fundamental questions that I think the American taxpayers want to know the answers to before they send any more of their hard-earned money there, particularly you're sending money there to protect Ukraine's border when we got the situation we have on our border. So those are the fundamental questions that we should get answered before we even think about sending more money. The Ukraine question has become the front and center question. It turns out that the Republican Party now runs on this litmus test of whether or not you support funding in in, in Ukraine. There is a moment where the Democratic Party, in not supporting Kevin McCarthy, maybe didn't think this all through because there there seems to be, as I'm discussing this litmus test, if you support funding for Ukraine, you're not going to be the next speaker. This is the, the number one subject for Republicans in deciding who should be in charge? Uh, I think it's going to play a part. Look, there is a growing uh, feeling among Americans uh, that Jim Jordan expressed. And I feel it, too. And I want you to understand, I I went and trained Ukrainian soldiers four times. I had a Ukrainian battalion with us uh, when I was overseas in Kosovo. I like the Ukrainians. I I wish they would win their war. But I'm an American, and I need to see an objective. This has been going on for 18 months. This is a proxy war against a nuclear power. Uh, and, 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 and the only, you know, when you ask, okay, what's the plan here? What are we trying to achieve? And the only answer is shut up. You love Putin. Inevitably, Tony, from some guy who wasn't in the Cold War like I was. And that's not going to work anymore. You love Putin is not an answer to the question. The question is, what are we doing? What do we want to achieve? We're back to this whole thing with the speaker. We have a bunch of people who are want to do something, but they refuse or are unable to articulate what they want to achieve by doing it. The the whole concept of, of doing something, as I've often described it, is when you tell when people tell you they that you need to do something, well, do something to me is different than do something to you, Kurt. Talking to Kurt Schlichter, townhall.com, uh, lawyer and author, the the new a book, by the way, you should check it out, Overlord. And you can get that at Amazon.com. It's his Kelly Turnbull series of books. So you should find that, buy that at Amazon.com. Uh, and you've also, as you mentioned, served uh, a retired uh, colonel, United States Army. Do something's different to everybody. And when everybody believes they should do something, that means they'll do anything. And doing anything leads to do goodery, and that never does any good. Well, when I'm, somebody says do something, they're frustrated and want you to make the problem go away. That's right. what they're really saying. They, but they again, don't have a plan. With, without a plan. Without a plan. I, I like plans. Plans, plans are good. That's what you do as a senior officer. Um, and when you don't have plans, you have the evacuation of Kabul. Let me say, what if I were to say to you that the objective in Ukraine is just to annoy Putin and make sure that he isn't on any other NATO borders, which makes our life easier in the long run? Is that not an acceptable plan? Well, that's a plan. Now we now we have to look at whether that's uh, going to be successful or going to be needed. I, I, 
you know, the, the idea that Putin is going to risk war with NATO by invading Latvia, Lithuania, or Estonia, which are the ones he's actually bordering on, really, I mean, a little bit on Poland, uh, I think it's just laughable. I just don't think he's going to do it. What, what he wants to do, I mean, they, look, this whole thing between Russia and Ukraine is like a thousand-year beef. You remember, you've seen Goodfellas, right? Please. Okay, remember when uh, uh, De Niro's on the phone, he's the Irish guy, and he's with Henry Hill, and he, and he gets the message that uh, Joe Pesci's got shot through the head. Yeah, and yeah. he's like banging the phone, and, and uh, Ray Liotta says, hey, it's all real grease ball stuff. It's, uh, it's between, uh, between the Italians. You know, we don't, know what, we don't understand it. We don't understand this Slavic stuff. We, we, we don't understand this stuff. And look, us imagining we understand the relationship between Ukraine and Russia, which is not simply good guys and bad guys. Let's be clear. Uh, there, there's thousands of years of history here. There's geography. You know, most of eastern Ukraine is full of ethnic Russians. Again, I'm on Ukraine's side, Tony. I like Ukraine. I don't think you solve problems by invading another country, or at least not this kind of problem. That was just part one of my conversation with Kurt Schlichter, trial lawyer, retired United States Army, and author of the Kelly Turnbull series of books, the latest book, Overlord, available at Amazon.com. You can get the full interview over at Rumble, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. You can find it at TonyKatz.com as well. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. How many more teachers have to explain to you that their plan is not to listen to you? Parents are in the way. Parents are the problem. Parental rights are unacceptable. They are going to indoctrinate their kid any which way they can. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say their kid? I meant your kid. The problem is they see them as their kids. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Uh, This was a video that came out from a guy who's the former teacher of the year in Kentucky. And he's, he's uh, I don't know who put the music behind it, but he's telling uh, teachers, do not respect superintendents, do not ask questions, do not follow the rules. I mean, he's explicit about it. If, if your superintendent says, remember, we don't have wall hangings about sexuality, do not ask, does a rainbow flag count, right? They're hoping that you will... Um, you will tell them it does in your own words. They're hoping that you will just preemptively take it down. Giving you advice that says, don't listen. And then, of course, if you're listening, you're the problem. If you're actually uh, not uh, proselytizing sexuality to your students, well, then. I say, read the bills. Do not obey in advance. Um, You... This is, this is just a truth for any teacher teaching in Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, and probably all the square states over there, too. Um, you can't follow the rules and be a good person, period. You cannot enforce every rule that they're telling you and be a good person. You have to have your sexuality in the classroom, otherwise you're not a good person? You have to have expressions of sexuality or you're not a good person. And did you catch the dig on the flyover states, the square states? I'm surprised you didn't list Indiana in that as, as well. 
Keep an eye on your teachers. Keep an eye on the administrators. Always don't be afraid to fight back, parents. Don't be afraid to advocate for your kids. This is Tony Katz today. As I was doing my uh, pre-show work last night, it was it was a long, long night. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, always a pleasure. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Uh, we, we had this this big thing for my for my flagship station that's called The Night with WIBC. And, uh, I, and he, people come up to it, uh, people who, who listen to me uh, on WGCL in Bloomington, which I, I love, love being on. I got to get down there, the Briar and the Burley. I got to get down there and, and have a cigar. We've talked about, uh, some people and I have talked about, we got to do an event there. We got to do a meet and greet. We got to do something. Uh, well, well, this was kind of like one of those things. It's just a... a a, a giant, uh, a giant uh, meet and greet. There's hundreds of people. It was, it was our whole uh, station lineup in in Indianapolis. It was a fantastic, fantastic time. But it was it was a late night. And then tonight I'm speaking uh, at the Bartholomew County GOP. It's the Reagan Roundup dinner. I believe they're serving chicken and green beans. That's what I, I, I believe that they're serving, uh, and, and bourbon, because we're doing a whole VIP thing, so I'm doing the VIP thing, and then I'm, I'm speaking, and, and I, I feel pretty good. I have the good basics of, of, of the talk to, to get to, uh, and, and, and so it's been a busy, busy week. Love it. I, I, love, I love the opportunity. But when I, when I got back from the event yesterday, I was going through my, my work, you know, getting ready for the show, and I came across... This back and forth between Ed Markey, who is the senator from Massachusetts, uh, he is a leftist's leftist. He is a progressive, and he introduced with Representative Ocasio Cortez the Green New Deal. He introduced it on the Senate side, and he's speaking with Gina Raimondo who is the Secretary of Commerce. Before being Secretary of Commerce, she was the governor of Rhode Island. Uh, I have no love lost for either of these people. But they were having a conversation about the CHIPS Act. Now, the CHIPS Act was about semiconductors and creation of of CHIPS uh, in the United States, which we can argue is extremely important, that we are not building CHIPS in China. And if you take a look at where Taiwan is and the amount of semiconductors they create and really having such a massive grip on that industry, if you're under threat from China and you're concerned that if Ukraine goes, that means it's the green light to China to go, well, then you better make sure you've got the ability to create in other places. Am I a fan of the CHIPS Act? Uh, I don't have an expertise on it yet by, by any stretch, but you can you can ask a lot of questions about whether or not we actually did increase our ability to create and be competitive. One of the reasons I say this is because of this conversation that I found between Markey and Raimondo to remind you that it's never about the thing with these progressives. So, Madam Secretary, um, I, I understand that you're committing to ensuring that companies make good on their environmental commitments. Is that right? Yes, and it isn't social policy. It's good business. Every CEO of every American company will tell you they have to manage risk. Hold on a second. 
They have to make good on their environmental commitments. Now, we, of course, have heard this and we have seen this and you've got the insanities of ESG, environmental social governance, which is despicable. It's to say we only invest if you meet these certain benchmarks. We don't invest based on whether or not the company actually provides any value. Well, you as an individual, that's completely and totally fine. But if you're in charge of the investing for a pension fund, well, then that's a serious issue. You don't invest based on ESG. You invest based on the return for the people that you are a fiduciary of, that you have a fiduciary responsibility to. But that ESG eliminates that all of that. But are we talking about building uh, semiconductors, uh, building chips be, as a way that makes... Uh, that has environmental commitments first, or are we talking about national security commitments? Because those things might be in conflict. And as we've just seen from the southern border and Biden's decision to tell the environmentalists to kiss off and he's going to build the wall. Remember the wall they said wouldn't work? Remember when they said that the wall wouldn't work? Oh, yeah, you go back to to uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre there at the podium in 2021. As you know, we have said that um, I, I have to look at the, the uh, comments. I have not seen them, so I want to make sure I, I read it within context. Uh, but we have talked about the border wall here in, in general as, as a way uh, that uh, it's been used in, in a, to, to, you know, to, to close the border. And we feel that it is a policy that doesn't work. And it's not just us. Uh, you know, experts have said that uh, the border wall is not uh, is not an effective policy. As far as those comments, I can't comment on that. I actually I have not seen it. I have not read them and I need to, to read it in context. So walls don't work yet. All of a sudden we have to build a wall. That's a remarkable turnaround in two years. Now what I want to hear from the podium is you were right, Donald Trump. You were right. I don't think I'll, 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 I'll hear it. Back to Ed Markey and Gina Raimondo and this idea of chips and the environment and the environmental commitments. Business. Every CEO of every American company will tell you they have to manage risk. And there's risk associated with climate events. And if we don't plan for those climate events... Uh, then they can insert risk into these projects, whether it's broadband or chips. So this is uh, companies ought to design projects to minimize adverse impacts to the project from climate and the environment. That this is just good business and good taxpayer protection. It has nothing to do with the social agenda. Now, it is indeed good business to understand what happens in an area where you do some kind of manufacturing and have ways to deal with issues that could arise. Supply chain issues could arise. Those supply chain issues could arise from storms or weather or other activities. It's why you spread out. When we talk about the creation of medicines, there's no doubt that we have to be manufacturing medicines in the United States. There's also no doubt that we need to be manufacturing medicines in India and possibly Australia and other places as well. Because if we were to have an issue with supply chain or a specific X, Y, Z, well, you don't want to be able to, you don't want to have to tell anybody, sorry, we can't make that medicine for six months. Look what we did with baby formula. Baby formula should be the biggest wake-up call ever. 
We have a ridiculous situation with baby formula. Oh, we only allow a couple people to manufacture it. We have a ridiculous level of distribution on baby formula. One thing goes wrong, and the next thing you know, we're worried about whether kids are going to starve. And then we actually have people saying, well, you shouldn't make your own baby formula. What are you, crazy? It's either that or don't feed the kid. I'll make my own. I'll go to the doctor. I'll figure it out. I'll feed the kids straight syrup if I have to. My child's going to be alive. What kind of nonsense is, well, be careful. Yeah, you can't do that. Well, you're not aware. Be careful because you don't have an expertise. You go to a doctor, you ask a question, you make the formula, you feed the kid. How do you think it happened for a millennia? People are nuts. They're nuts. It is good policy to do things that uh, in, in, in a way that allow you a fail-safe, I, I think that's the right term. If one thing goes down, the other thing still remains. And that, of course, could have to do with geography and, and all sorts of things. But what she said, it had nothing to do with the social agenda. Well, did you mean that? Let's go back to Senator Markey. Oh, great. So major, major manufacturing activities, including chips manufacturing, can also lead to significant environmental justice concerns for communities surrounding the manufacturing plants. Developing chips chips is an incredibly water, energy, and chemically intensive process. Did he just say environmental justice? Let's go back. Oh, great. So major, major manufacturing activities, including chips manufacturing, can also lead to significant environmental justice concerns for communities surrounding the manufacturing plants. And, and, and why is that? Developing chips, chips is an incredibly water, energy, and chemically intensive process. Anytime you hear something justice, environmental justice, racial justice, social justice, that is nothing more than a, uh, a, a code for wealth redistribution. That's all it is. It's all it's ever been. It's all it'll ever be. This is about wealth redistribution. Significant environmental justice concerns because developing chips takes a lot of water and... The chemicals currently used in semiconductor fabrication are extremely dangerous to workers, community members, and their families. New technologies and processes are needed to manufacture semiconductors without these risks. I don't know if you can make a semiconductor without the risks. I, I, I don't have the technological know-how. And I certainly would not be opposed to development of other processes in order to do so. But the chip is about national security. The chip is about our future. The chip is about how we function today. Because Ed Markey decides that it has an effect on the water or the usage of water. Should we all go back to the Stone Age? Well, if you ask Ed Markey, and he's really honest, he'll tell you, well, you know, the regressive nature of the political left is something else. I thought David Marcus did a really beautiful job of discussing this uh, a, a couple months ago in a piece he did, I think it was over at the Daily Mail, where he discussed the fact that if you go back to, was it the 80s when we had the Concorde? This futuristic airplane and the stylish way you were treated with the, with the nose and the cone down and it got you from Paris to New York in three hours, three and a half hours. And you're like, my gosh, the future is here. You know where the Concorde is now? In storage somewhere? Maybe in a museum? They stopped. And if you want to look at that as, as, as the zenith, the, 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 the height 
of of air travel. Where's air travel been since? You get less, the seat gets smaller, the cost gets higher, the abuse gets greater. You walk onto a plane right now and you don't know if you're going to sit in a pile of somebody else's vomit that they forgot to clean, but they're not going to bother. You sit there, you get off the plane. And you're like, what happened? What has happened to our society? Where is our growth pattern? Where is our future? What future could you have with people like Senator Markey who would actually go down the road of saying, well, if you're not going to meet our requirements, we can't be having you make these semiconductor chips. It's not green enough. And if you think I'm making that up, oh, people, I do my homework. So can you tell us how you're prioritizing that research so that it's truly green and clean in the semiconductor fabrication technologies? Yes. So in addition to companies who are applying for taxpayer money, they have to, they have to show us a financial plan, an R&D plan, a security plan, and we want to see a sustainability plan that we can evaluate to um, make sure that they're serious about these commitments. We need semiconductors for our survival. And the Biden administration said, sure, just as soon as you do all these other things so we can ensure the social agenda. Secretary Raimondo said it had nothing to do with the social agenda, but she just said you need to show a sustainability plan so they can evaluate to make sure that the company is serious about these commitments, meaning green commitments, meaning that what Senator Markey is discussing here is more important than the chip. They would rather not have the chips if you're not going to meet their commitments, not yours, because this isn't about the market making uh, rational decisions about their business. This is about government forcing things onto a market, and they'll decide it's simply not worth it. And then you and I will regress because we won't be able to continue the innovation. I'm not opposed to keeping the planet clean. I'm not opposed to clean water. I'm not opposed to clean air. I find uh, when, when people say you don't care if there's dirty air, I find those people to be the dumbest people alive. What do you mean I don't care? I breathe the same air as you do. What I'm not willing to do is sacrifice the future for your fear mongering, you freaks. You're freaks. You told us there was going to be an ice age. Then you told us there was global warming. Then you changed it to climate change. And then you literally look at weather and say, aha. You lunatics. You freaks. And now you see this administration saying out loud, yes, we need chips. But we're only going to build them if they meet our plans. Oh, no, no, no. Then we don't have any social agenda. This is just good business. And it's so good business that we have to force it onto the businesses so they know it's good business. You're, you're welcome, America. Oh, and by the way, no more gas stoves and no more gas furnaces. Figure it out. Best of luck. This is the administration. This is how they act. This is what they do. This is what happens when ideologues are put in charge. This is why elections matter.
You couldn't get rid of Ed Markey fast enough in the Senate if only Massachusetts actually cared about who they vote. I mean, these are people who, who vote for uh, drunk driving murderers. So, you know, who am I, who am I to, to question their selection of Ed Markey? Oh, too soon on the Ted Kennedy jokes? I don't think so. But Gina Raimondo is just so happy to have a gig. She'll go along with anything. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Do you believe the border wall works? No. Okay. Thank you. I don't know if you could hear me. There's no explaining this dumb old man. I, I feel so awful in, in, in saying it like that. You don't believe that a border wall works, but of course, all the headlines are about how you're building more wall. What? What are you even saying? You're going to build more wall because what's happening on the border is unacceptable. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas stating in this notice that there was a, quote, acute and immediate need. And what did you have to need to do? To waive dozens of federal laws to build the border wall in South Texas. There is, a present, there is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border of the United States in order to prevent unlawful entries into the United States in the project areas pursuant to section this and section that. You waived all the environmental. You waived everything that the left believes in. And now Joe Biden's going to tell me, you don't believe in walls? You don't believe they work? Who is this dumb old man? I don't know how else you're supposed to say it. I feel awful saying it, but I don't know how else to say it. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care. Take care.